Welcome to Crushing on Callisto 6, a limited run podcast that fangirls over a limited run RPG on Project Alpha and Geek and Sundry, plus craft talk from the show. I'm Darcy. I'm also known as Slightly Foxed on all the socials in one form or another. This episode is recorded after the release of issue number four and may contain spoilers. So I was wondering what to talk about. Uh, I wanted to, with after this episode, I didn't have really anything new, um, but I didn't want to get out of the habit of doing a podcast because this is a good practice for me. So um, here are some of my thoughts on episode, um, on issue four, I should say. Um, it was a real interesting follow-up to my last episode where I talked a lot about families um, and their reactions to our team's superpowers. Um, Lacey's family, the daddies were as expected um, in that their acceptance of love that, and again, I think that's hard one strength over a lot of t- time with her. Luma's family also is expected. Um, Cassie, I'm still trying to figure out. It's like, what's the deal with her family anyway? We just aren't seeing anything. It seems like um, Oya's family has kind of adopted her. Um, Oya felt like... (laughs) I had a lot of recognition with Oya's mom. Um, my mother did a lot of the same thing when I was in trouble. Um, well, any of us were in trouble. And um, where she would say, get out of my sight. I don't, I just don't want to see you anymore. And then like five minutes later, come back in here. I have something more to say to you. And it would go on for hours. We used to have a joke about who we wanted to yell at us, uh, my mom or my stepfather. And my stepfather was loud, but mom was lengthy um so Oya's mom reminds me a little too much of my own family in both a good and a bad way um Anton is really interesting I think he was very clever in Hector was very clever in talking about uh being out of the nest for the first time and being established and doing like a general check-in with your parents um and that seemed very natural and very real. Um, so that one made sense to me. <laughs> but I keep coming back to Hops um, with the deal about her mom. In this show and in Shield of Tomorrow, I noticed that when Bonnie's characters discuss their family, Um, It is very squarely in that character's particular point of view. Um, And it's almost like she's, uh, she's like a a narrator you can't really trust because you know that there's more to the story somewhere than either the character is admitting to or letting on um, it, but I don't think it's necessarily the truth. Um, when she comes in and sees her mom, it's a very friendly exchange. Um, her mom is glad to see that she's safe. Uh, doesn't ask a lot of questions. Um, 
and then goes right back into the technology and um, Eric gives an indication that she has developed a community that you know she's talking and laughing and and how it was presented to us from hops is that her mother was driven into um, technology because of her grief but to be honest what I observed from Eric's storytelling is that Hops's mom has kind of this isn't because because of grief I think she has found a community um, within technology that I think a lot of us can relate with um, and so it, it adds a little kind of subtle facet to Hops's character. I mean, Hops is kind of shown as a Luddite. Um, she has technology that is not up to date. Um, and I think there's a couple things behind that. I think part of it is the money situation, which makes sense. But I think there's also, there's a layer there. Um, this was an industry that betrayed her father in many, many ways. And it's also an industry that is absorbing her mother. So I can see her anger manifesting as in her Luddite ways. And it's super interesting that her power is electricity and can maybe short things out. I think it's kind of all interrelated. Um, I think Bonnie is very clever in the way she puts this all together. But she is an untrust, I think Hops again is an untrustworthy narrator the same way that Lark Sage was an untrustworthy narrator. Um, I went into a deep dive thinking about, I always thought she was unfair to her parents, the sages. Um, to the point that I actually have a deep, <laughs> a deeply hidden uh, piece of fanfic that I wrote about Caroline Sage finding um, Lark for the first time. And maybe I will buff it up and read it as kind of a bonus episode if anybody even cares. But um, I again this this there's more to the story than than we're seeing and um i'm interested to see how that plays out <laughs> or kind of like i i loved watching eric during this episode because i mean so much of this episode was was again planning and trying to figure out what to do next um and i would just kind of watch him the way he would kind of like sink his head into his hands and listen and it was like this part of it was delighting in their performances. And I could also see there was like this slight thing in the back. There's these cogs you can see turning to see, okay, how I'm, I'm gathering this information that I'm going to use with their story a little later. So it's kind of a, it's really kind of a delight to watch Eric do this. Um, I think another part of this uh, uh, episode that kind of sparked my interest was um sweet baby who of course we're all fans of because we love Lacey and we love um that that they called 
this piece of unknown technology, sweet baby, designation sweet baby. Um, Eric mentioned specifically that it's uh, Battlestar Galactica season one paranoia. My first thought is that, oh my gosh, um, sweet baby is V'ger. <laughs> it's ha having an existential crisis. But the problem is when you have an AI um, having an existential crisis, um, sometimes it's not always pretty and we don't know what sweet baby was created to do. Uh, we know that we can figure that sweet baby was abandoned probably for a good reason. So that means sweet baby is kind of a time bomb. I mean, this is a really good trope in this kind of story. So, um, and I'm invested in it. I love it. Um, I was super excited, uh, because it, you know, of course I want to, do my version of Sweet Baby, and I was I was scrubbing all, you know, going back and listening, and I just couldn't find a good description, and thank you, Eric, so much. She gave a description on Twitter, um, and it says, Sweet Baby's, Sweet Baby's corrected description. A green light shines from inside the Oculus, th though around the Oculus, the surface is red which is encased in a thick, heavy glass housed in a heavy metal casing. It's rectangular, six, one foot length, six inches wide, four inches tall. It weighs about 16 pounds. So, um, of course, naturally, I want to do like a whimsical version of that uh, in crochet. So I'm trying to figure out I'm going to have to sit down with the dimensions. Um, making a rectangle isn't hard. It's just figuring out the gauge and figuring out like how many rows per things. I think what my brain is trying to work out is how to do the glass casing. It, I think this is going to end up being a multimedia project if I attempt it. And of course, um, I would love to send it to them, but I don't think... I don't think it would be open to time. It might still be worth it. I don't know. Um, I loved that I was not the only person who had that reaction of like, now that I have the dimensions, I can make it. <laughs> there are so much of us that, that are makers out there and I love you so much. So yeah, this was a really short episode regarding um, Callisto 6. I'm okay with it. There's lots to think about. Um, but in the meantime, thank you if you've gotten this far. Thank you so much for listening. Um, this is this podcast should be usually available when I release it on Anchor. Um, within 48 hours, it ends up on a lot of other platforms like Spotify. So you should be able to find it. Um, if you're interested, thank you for listening to my musings. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Um, my love to the community as we try and figure out how to make sweet baby. And as also as we try and figure out what is Callisto 6 anyway. Stay safe.